0: Uh, thank you. <laughs> Can you hear me? Okay, today's reading is from Mark 2, uh, verses 1 through 12. Jesus heals a paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive, sins, to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this, so it is written.
1: who it says I am, I can do what it says I can do. It is the living Word of God It comes down out of the heavens. By the holy breath of the Holy Spirit, it will speak to you. It will speak to you. Have you ever heard that expression? I've heard it a few times in my lifetime. Some with humor added to it, and others when it was really needed. Is there a doctor in the house? I think there are times when that cry out was meaningful to someone who was ailing, and there was a doctor in the house, and he came immediately, and, or she, and helped recovery. I think one of the questions we need to ask ourselves in the <clears throat> 21st century Is Jesus in the house? Is Jesus in the house? I'm frightened for this generation because I have this feeling. We use this expression, this is God's house. But I wonder if we really mean that, or do we just think as God as the landlord of this place? Our passage this morning is going to teach us some things about how we will know if Jesus is in the house, when Jesus is in the house. There are a number of things that our passage points out to us, and I want to share those with you this morning before we have communion. How do we know at this moment that Jesus is in this house? Well, excuse me, I think there are some ingredients that will result when Jesus is truly in the house. The first one is, his word will go forth with power. His word will go forth with power. It won't just be someone up here speaking and sharing some good thoughts and a good orator, someone who can communicate clearly because there are many of those folks in the world. But when Jesus is in the house, his word is delivered, and it becomes powerful as it is expressed. It's empowered by the Holy Spirit to permeate your heart and speak to you. It's the power of truth. It's a word of forgiveness. It's words of healing. I don't know about you, but... I've come to understand that the tongue is one of the most powerful instruments in your body. It can either praise God or it can curse God. The brother of Jesus says in James, Out of the same mouth flow blessings toward God and curses towards man. The spoken word is powerful. We've all experienced that when someone has said negative about something, someone has said negative about us, and we've heard that negativity. If we hadn't heard it, it didn't mean anything. But the minute that we hear the spoken word negative about us, it has impact. The spoken word is powerful. Your pastor Ken, who I, I pray for that he will recover as quickly as possible, he comes up here week after week after week. Dissecting the word of God. But if Jesus isn't in the house, it has no power. The word of God comes with power when Jesus is in the house. Colossians says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may now know how to answer everyone. The spoken word is powerful. And when Jesus is in the house, it's filled with his power. Secondly, when Jesus is in the house, forgiveness will be evident. When Jesus is in this place, forgiveness becomes evident. Not only his forgiveness towards us, but our forgiveness towards one another. Our passage this morning says those Religious leaders said, how can this man forgive? Only God can forgive. It is true that only Christ can forgive us sin and lead us on into eternity. But he gives us the power of grace. When Jesus is in the house, he gives us the power of grace to forgive each other. God is not the only one that can forgive you and I can forgive, for the greatest instrument of salvation is the instrument of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. When we are filled with God and His Holy Spirit, we are to become a people of grace, not a people of criticism, not a people of argument, not a people of, of defending God. We are to become a people of grace. Grace. And when Jesus is in the house, the house is filled with grace. And forgiveness takes place. I had an interesting experience. While my pastor was away in Airdrie, he asked me if I would fill in for him, and I did. I can't remember the topic I was speaking on that day, but I remember something that happened that day. I was sitting in the front row as I was today, And as I came into church, I saw a young man sitting. His shoulders were turned over. He was looking at the floor. wasn't communicating with anyone. And I walked by him, and I looked at him, and I could see something. Didn't know what. But I carried on and took my place. And as I began to speak... I was overwhelmed with this voice within me. That boy needs to be prayed for. That boy needs to have a burden lifted off him. I thought, but I'm preaching. I'm not sure I want to give up that kind of time. Not really. I was pretty scared, though. But I said, okay, Lord, and in the middle of my second point, I called this young man forward, and I said to our congregation, I said, I don't know what or why or how, but this boy needs our prayers. And I said to him, would you mind coming up here, son, so that we could pray for you? He made his way up to the front of the sanctuary. You could see that he was downtrodden, he was discouraged, there was something going on my hands on him and I asked her congregation to stand up and just reach their hand forward in unity that we would pray together for this boy. Not all did, but many stood up and they raised their hands forward and I began to pray. And as I began to pray this young man went into dry heaves. I thought he was going to vomit at the front of the church. He was just dry heaving, dry heaving. And I continued to pray for him. And after the prayer he He walked back to his seat, and he seemed a little brighter, and he seemed a little more sure of himself. And I followed up that young man for a number of weeks after. He is now very actively involved in Center Street Church, leading a street ministry, and moving on for God. I don't know what happened, but what I do know happened, Jesus was in the house. Jesus was in the house. And he did what he needed to do. My third point comes in that very aspect. The spiritual will become practical. When Jesus is in the house, the spiritual things will become practical things. They will seem like norm to us. I'm afraid that the modern day church is frightened of that. Do we really want Jesus to be Jesus in here? Do we really want him to do what he can do? Or do you really want him to let us do what we can do in his name? Because if Jesus is in the house, that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to be frightened of the scriptures. He doesn't want us to be frightened of the facts that go on in the scriptures. He doesn't want us to be frightened of what we can do. Because the scriptures say we can do it. When Jesus is in the house, the spiritual will become practical. The fourth thing we find that we can gauge ourselves over the years and months of the church, when Jesus is in the house, when Jesus is in the house, the house will be filled. There will be no room. Our story says they were so jammed in there there wasn't even any room to get in the door. It was filled. There was no room. They needed to have another service there. Maybe they needed to have five or six services because when Jesus is in the house of the church, you can't keep people from coming in the door. They are attracted to the door because they know and they sense and they feel that Jesus is in the house. In case you think I'm beating you up, I'm not. One of the greatest difficulties we have today is growing the church. It's one of the greatest challenges of this 21st century. How do we grow the church? How do we get people to be interested in church? I want to tell you, it begins by making sure Jesus is in the house. We all know or we should, and I hope most of you know, but if you don't, I'd sure love to talk to you about it. That Jesus comes into our house, comes into us eternally when we invite him in. When we recognize who he is, February the 8th, 1978, as a drunkard, I was in my living room And a pastor came to my house. I didn't know he was a pastor. But he had a team called Evangelism Explosion. Anybody ever heard of Evangelism Explosion? It was a day when teams went around from house to house. And they visited people to share the gospel. February the 8th, 1978, he came into my house. He asked me two questions. He said, If you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? My response was, Yep. See, I'd always believed in God. i never had a problem with that. I thought he was a pretty cool dude. But the second question got me. If this roof of your house were to come tumbling down right now and fall on top of you, and you were to die and you were to stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I'd be like you, pretty silent. The pastor said, I got good news for you. And he shared the gospel with me, and then that night, I prayed to ask Jesus to forgive me, to set me free. And I became born again. It was a curious moment because my wife was with me and as she was praying, as I was praying and they were leading me in prayer and I was communicating back to them, I had one eye open. I was looking at my wife. See, I didn't want to go to heaven alone. And so when they all left and we had our coffee and we had some biscuits and and, and a good time together afterwards. I said to my wife, "Didn't you understand what the pastor what the pastor was saying?" She said, "Oh, yeah." She said, "I don't." Oh, well, there we go. She says, "I know." I said, "Well, why 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 wouldn't you pray?" And she told me this story. The spiritual become practical. She said, "Well, you see, Gary, I started." Going with several women in the community to this little Bible study. And I made that decision about three months ago. She said, You know, I'm not surprised by tonight. And I said, Really? She said, No. She said, Because these six women prayed every day for you, that you would become a believer. Forgiveness is evident, and the spiritual becomes practical. And I've never looked back since 1978. The fifth thing that I find in our story that's evidence, not only will the house be filled, but nothing will stand in the way of people getting there when Jesus is in the house. Nothing will stand in our way of getting to church when Jesus is in the house. All the excuses that we might give us, all of the, 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 the temptation and the direction of the evil one that want to stop us from being here disappear because Jesus is in the house and we want to be there because we know something exciting is going to go on. It may not necessarily be in my life, but it's going to be in somebody's life because Jesus is in the house. curious thing about that is I believe that every Sunday morning, united in heart, we should be welcoming Jesus into this house. Because you know something? Jesus will never go where he's not welcome. Jesus will never go where he's not invited. He will try to impress you from the outside, but he will affect you when he's in the house. And as churches in this culture, we need to be inviting Jesus to come into our house this morning we know he's in our heart but there may be people in this congregation that Jesus isn't in their heart and he needs to be in this house and we need to invite him because Jesus will come and he will penetrate the house and nothing will stand in our way I don't know about you sometimes it's hard to get up and go to church Ah, it's a nice day. Or, you know, we were out pretty late last night. And, or, I don't, I don't really like that worship leader. Or, oh, ah, the pastor is awake this week. So pastor's not there, no reason for me to go. We're missing the point, folks. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house. Doesn't matter who's doing what. When Jesus is in the house, things are happening. Impact is being made. And finally, next thing I see about our story, when Jesus is in the house, God becomes glorified and the people are amazed. God becomes glorified, people are amazed. I want to thank my tech team. I just kind of flapped it on their desk, and they're, they're my hero today. You know, sometimes we leave church and we just don't think life is any different. I went to church today, I sang the songs, I prayed, I listened to the preacher, but life isn't any different. Is that the preacher's fault? Is that the worship leader's fault? Maybe it's because we didn't recognize that God in Jesus Christ is here. We didn't recognize He is here. We become amazed at what He can do. I want to leave church every morning amazed that God has done something. I don't always know what it would be as a preacher. It's not for me to know that. But when Jesus is in the house, we will leave amazed that he has spoken to me. When that happens, you go back into that mission field when you leave this door. Every church should have right at their back wall. You are now entering the mission field. Because that's where it is. You need to take the amazement of God with you. When Jesus is in the house, the house is a different place. If Jesus isn't invited into the house, it's just another meeting. It's just another meeting. As we go to communion this morning, I want to ask you do you want Jesus in the house? Because if you do, I don't know what's ringing. I'm okay? Okay. I can hear a bunch of humming here, so Ah, I got it. We need to invite Jesus into, a hu- into the house. Not only into our heart, but we need to invite him into this place. Not as the landlord, but as the God of all creation. One of the most important things in our Christian experience as Christ followers is to celebrate in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. His death and resurrection. It's why we can look forward to eternity together. I'm going to ask those who are going to participate with me in the communion this morning to come forward for the elements. And we're going to do it maybe a little different than you normally do.